back, everybody, to the Turf Monsters podcast. Chris Becker joined here by Sadiq Tuma and Dean Rule. Uh, we're going to break down what happened on Saturday night. 23-16 win for Oklahoma State. It wasn't pretty, but a win's a win. And they moved, They they struggled on the run game. They struggled in a lot of aspects, especially in that second half. Uh, Sadiq, Oshu comes out of the gate. They seem to be like cutting through this Missouri State defense, scoring score touchdowns on the first on two of the first three drives, and then it just stops. Like see, like just like in the snap of a finger, it stopped, and they could they only they were outscored twenty to, or they were outscored thirteen to three in the second half by Missouri State, which should never happen in any half of football in any game. Should I mean a team of Oshu's caliber like we talked about in the first three episodes of this podcast should not get outscored by a team like Missouri State. That's no discredit to Missouri State. But it shouldn't happen. Sadiq, what what did you see, and what 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 happened in that second half of play? Yeah, I think when you mentioned the run game, that's one of the main factors. And in the first half too, like yeah, it was twenty three, but it didn't feel like a dominant twenty three. They were mm-hmm. slicing through like the first drive, right? Shane yeah. Allen with the Tay Martin. That that drive just happened in the snap of finger. They were rolling, and that's what happened. But as the game went on, you felt like there was just a little element early on of okay, if this run game doesn't start going, it's gonna start to bite them, bite them in the second half because. That's why while you had these long Shane Ellingworth passes and drives and touchdowns or you know rushing touchdowns whatever you also had a mix in of a couple you know stalling drives some three and outs some some drives that you know they just didn't look right and something had to do with the run game mm-hmm. but in the second half when you're up like that you need to establish the run game and you need, because if you don't you just become one dimensional the defense knows what you're doing and then everything goes haywire and as they start to do that they would you know try to run it two times they go in a third and long hard situation and it doesn't matter who your quarterback is it, it's difficult to go when it's a obvious passing situation and then that started to wear down and it, w- it was a big big component of that the offense started to stall because of that when they're trying to find balance they, then a couple you know a turnover a desmond jackson fumble you know a muffed ld brown kickoff return a couple different miscues here and there and when you combine that all together um plus but, but that was just one the osu element right we also take into account missouri state even the first half with three points they were moving a little bit right they got down the field and they got a block uh, their field goal blocked but they had a couple opportunities they were moving the offense a little bit jason shelley didn't look uh bad honestly and the way they kind of played offense their formations how many looks they give it to osu's defense while they are great they did you know give a few first downs then they would force a punt so it's not like missouri state's offense was just you know stopped in negative three yards every play they're moving a little bit and the more the more you let that linger on and the more you you know go three and out and then kick the ball back and all of a sudden missouri state's offense has the ball um mm-hmm. like i don't remember the exact number but in the first quarter i think time of possession was 10 to 5 and the more you do that the longer you do that that's eventually going to wear in missouri state's favor and in the second half they started to get those opportunities the run game and the offense struggled for osu and i think the combination of all of that just ended up the way it did Right, and, you know, Dean, we, we, all three of us were in the post-game conference when Casey Dunn said he was, quote, when he asked about how concerned he was, he just simply said, very, about the run game. But today, Mike Gundy, uh, Dean, Dean and I were in the conference with Mike Gundy. Gundy said that he just said, we'll be fine. And that's kind of how I felt about it after the game. I'm like, all right, they'll be fine. They have four guys who are who are capable of starting at a high level in, the, in college football. And, you know, we didn't see that on, on Saturday, but we've seen that before. Um, we talked about it before the game. All these guys have had starting experience. They've all had games over 100 yards. They all averaged on, you know, last year they all averaged more than five yards a carry. And we didn't see Dominic Richardson, but Gundy said that was more just because no one was getting hot. So he's right. bottom. He's down at the bottom of the depth chart, and uh-huh. no one was getting hot. So there's no point for him. There's no need for him to go in because no one was tired. So the guys above him weren't tired. There's no point for him to go in because right. they couldn't get anything going anyway. But Dean. How concerned are you for, if at all, 
um, about this run game and what do you see from it going forward? Well, I think I'm going to have to agree with Casey Dunn. I'd be very concerned right now. I think since, you know, we, we've known about this group of four uh, running backs uh, at OSU for pretty, pretty much since the spring, pretty much since LD decided, you know, I'm coming back, which I guess honestly was earlier than the spring. That was probably January. I don't remember the exact date. Mm-hmm. But you get Jalen transfers right after last season ended. And you knew you were Desin, uh, Desmond Jackson and uh, Dominic Richardson were all going to be here. But So there's been this immense depth that was always talked about as being a positive for OSU and how being able to rotate. And like Gundy said, if we're running the ball 40 times, perfect scenario, each player is getting 10 reps. But just looking at the stats from last night, the the concern I would have is there might be an issue of quantity is not always better than quality. You know, nobody stands out. You've got LD, let me find the stat. LD, 15 touches, 30 yards. So he's getting two yards a carry there. Desmond Jackson, three touches for 14. Slightly better, but what did Desmond Jackson do? Fumbled. Fumbled the ball. Uh, Jalen Warren, six rushes, nine yards. You know, the, the, these, are, these are troubling numbers, and I think the big question going into it was who's going to be the starting running back? Who's going to prove themselves? And maybe nobody's going to prove themselves because mm-hmm. that question still has not been answered one game in. And yes, granted, it's one game. But if I'm OSU, I, you need somebody to step up. You need the running back by committee will work, but at the end of the day, you're still going to need the primary ball carrier you yep. can rely on. Yeah, you mentioned it. LD got 15, Jalen got six, and Desmond got three. And I, you know, I, we talked about Richardson didn't get any. Wide receiver, Braden Johnson, you know, a favorite of the a favorite of this this group of people right here, had one less yard than Desmond Jackson did, and the same number of yards as Warren did, and he only got one carry. So, when a, a wide receiver is your team's third leading rusher, and only one one yard behind the second the second spot, that could become cause for some cause for concern. But I want to see him against you know this Tulsa team who's got a really good front seven, uh, led by Jackson player. But that's for Wednesday's show. But I'm not going to get concerned until maybe maybe they get into Big 12 play and this is still an occurring issue where you have 28 touches, 54 yards. Yes, they got the two touchdowns, but they're only averaging a yard, 1.9 yards per carry. That's, if, that's, if that continues in the Big 12 play, that's when I get concerned. But for now, I just think it's just something to, something to keep an eye on, but not huge cause for concern yet. Yeah, no, running game was terrible, and you don't need a number to tell you that, right? Mm-hmm. It was pretty evident by watching the game. Uh, yeah, 1.9 yards per carry is not good ever, and especially in the way that they're running, there was it was just awful in all, a lot of different aspects. But to me, it's you rushing output or rushing production is the output of how well your offensive line plays, mm-hmm. and that was to me watching back. It was the offensive line, like this is the same thing with Chuba Hubbard. Everyone just assumed that Chuba just sucked last year. It was the offensive line was terrible in the beginning. There were no holes, and it was a struggle to establish anything. And you saw LD Brown when he, you know, had a hundred yards a couple of games early on and uh, found some success. It was just a, you know, you're gonna find a hole if you have a terrible offensive line. Probably of ten plays, nine of them are you know blocked poorly. One blocked well, and then LD shot through with the speed he got out right. And Chuba could do the same thing, but there's only so much you can do when you don't have the blocking, and a lot of it was, I think, on the offensive line. And when you watch them. And I'll say this, it's a combination, I think, of the Missouri State front and the offensive line because they held their blocks well and they, you know, didn't 
allow penetration. Well, there, there, when you watch most of those plays, you'll see one tackle. A lot of times, Cole Birmingham or Taylor Materko. While they did well in pass protection, it was the run blocking that they struggled in, and it was one block off, and suddenly the defense is right there. Or maybe they held their blocks right there, but a linebacker shot through because there weren't clearing gap the way that this offensive line can do at times that we saw late last year and that's where you pop off those bigger runs or those consistent gains and I don't think like I, the way I, I like Jalen Warren like we obviously seen LD and the other two guys before but the way Jer- Jalen Warren looked when he had a little bit of space or when he had the ball in his hands explosive elusive all these different traits um, I think he can be a good runner I just think the way the offensive line played there wasn't enough mm-hmm. gaps there weren't enough space and I think that's the concern right and that's where you start and for offensive linemen, it's it's you can have a five offensive linemen. If one is down, one is bad, that wrecks the entire thing. That's one of those things, and that's where the output started. And without that, you can't get motion forward. You can't get penetration. Uh, you can't open holes up, and you can't you know start igniting the play action game. All those things. So I think that's where it all roots from. Yeah. So many times uh, we we sat up there and watched an OSU running back get hit either at the line of scrimmage or behind the line of scrimmage before right. he could even get going. So when you have running backs who rely on breakaway speed and that takes a couple of steps to get to get going you can't just hand the ball and you're that fast right. when you have those running backs it's hard when you keep getting hit in the backfield every time because you're not going to get that speed and with how many times osu likes to pull guards and tackles and tight ends mm-hmm. they do it often you'd see a lot of times sometimes it was just a missed block on normal just zone running plays but on the pulling plays you'd see a taylor materko and josh sills you know run on a counter play and just miss the block or braden cassidy austin gerard i think struggle a little bit blocking uh, Brady Cassidy most of the time was good, missed one or two. But that's the thing. You miss that, and suddenly your guy's there. And that has to also do with the ferociousness of the, that Missouri State front, Kevin Ellis and all those guys, Eric Johnson. And when you see them um, be able to get in there and penetrate, that's where things go haywire, right? And yep. no matter how good the running back is, body's a body, right? And so those guys are <laughs> many pounds above you, and yep. when they're there, it becomes difficult. Yeah, uh, on transition point, uh, Braden Cassidy and Austin Gerard, I think Gundy said that they – they played well considering they'd never played. They really haven't played before. Yeah. Um, they had a very little experience coming into this game. Austin Gerard had no uh, Power Five experience coming yeah. into this game. So, and Brandon Cassidy had very minimal. Had very minimal just because Logan Carter and Johnny Woods were in front of him last year. But the run, the run blocking was atrocious. We can all, we can all, I think, agree on that. Um, pass blocking, however, I was sitting up there with a stopwatch every time uh, Shane would go drop into the pocket and. I'd stop it as soon as that ball left his hand, and he had all day in the pocket. Oh yeah, the pass blocking was elite. I I, I tend to say I turn. There are numerous times he had three plus seconds. Mm-hmm. I think a couple times I counted he had four seconds in the pocket. So that's absurd. Uh, he got the start. Obviously, Spencer Sanders was in COVID protocols. Uh, Coach Gundy didn't give an exact answer if Spencer will be back this week, but he said, "quote I think he'll be back, but he can't say for certain yet. They only have two practices before they play, and he had to practice in ten days." So. Uh, Dean, what did you see from Shane Ellingworth? You know, uh, Shane, uh, it's it's tough to say. I mean, Shane is at the spot he needs to be right now. Shane is not going to be the starter. I don't think people need to be saying that there's a quarterback controversy in the Oklahoma State locker room. Yeah, no doubt. Um, Spencer is the starter, but Shane has proven not just uh, this past Saturday, but this past season mm-hmm. when he did have to step in for Sanders when he got hurt last year. That he's a reliable second option. I mean, just looking at the stats, he threw 315 yards. Uh, how many touchdowns? One. He had? one touchdown. And then the one interception. He had a pick there at the end of the second, trying to throw a deep ball. But you know, uh, Shane looked good, but not great. I think there were some inaccuracies. Um, 
I think a lot of his 50-50 balls were saved by receiving more than the pass itself. Uh, but overall, you know, I think Oklahoma State fans can rest a little easier knowing that if something does happen to Sanders, they've got a guy who can who's proven that he can go out there and help them win games. Right. You know, you mentioned it, 22 of 40, 315, one touchdown, one interception. And the INT, we can harp on this all we want. Um, it was just a bad throw. He admitted it post game. It was just a bad decision. He tried to hit uh, Bryson Green on a uh, on a vertical route and just underthrew it. It very I mean it was tight coverage and he just underthrew it and the corner made a good play, turned around and caught the ball. Um, if you look at it, Sadiq and I talked about this at the game. We th- I'm pretty sure if it's almost 100 percent that he was going for Bry- Bryson uh, Green, you could probably you could maybe make a small argument that he might have been trying to hit Brennan on a uh, out route or an in, or a, yeah a sideline route to the outside that he just overthrew by a lot. Uh, it just happened to be closer to Bryson, but it was just a bad throw. It was, that tends to happen when, you know, he, this is his fifth game appearance in his career, and so you're going to make those sophomore mistakes. And like Dean said, I'm I'm on the same boat. Um, last year, if you would asked me at this, the same point this as we are right now, last year, I, I couldn't tell you who was going to be a second our, the OSU second-string quarterback. It was going to be Spencer Sanders, and then we had these four guys who we, had no, we knew nothing about. This year's a different story. It's Spencer, Shane, and then I guess the only the only QB controversy in that locker room is who's going to be third because even Gundy, when asked about it today, had to think about it who who was going to be who was going to play quarterback if Shane Ellingworth went down on Saturday. He didn't, so it didn't, that decision had to be made. But Shane's a good number two. He played well. Um, Sadiq, what did what did you see from the QB? Yeah, I mean several things. We start with that interception. Uh, yeah, personally, I looked at it maybe ten times in a row. I still couldn't figure out exactly who he's throwing to. I doubt it's Brendan Presley because even with inaccuracies, I don't think he overthrows a guy by ten yards. Yeah, that is a lot. I think it was just bad timing with receiver and quarterback, which happens a lot. Um, and on, on the green twin, and that's one of those things, right? It's it's never a you don't it's not predetermined. Are you going to back shoulder? Are you mm-hmm. going to throw it over? You know, it's a feel thing at the moment. Right. Yeah. It, it's one of the, and that's the thing where quarterback and wide receiver have to be on the same page. That's why timing is so difficult. Mm-hmm. It's like second nature. And I think when Shane threw it, he thought it was gonna be a back shoulder and Green didn't realize and you have a great corner in Montre Braswell who's in great position and is able to intercept it. And I know Gundy has said this before, in their system, quarterbacks are aggressive, right? Yeah. They're gonna throw interceptions because they throw up a lot of those passes. They you know, put the ball down the field, they strike it down, and you saw that in a lot of the 50-50 balls. I mean, personally, I'm going to have to disagree with you, Dean. I thought those 50-50 balls, almost all of them were perfectly placed because a lot of times they're going to look bad because you put them up there where your wide receiver has to go get them. And if he doesn't or if he doesn't he miss, uh, miss, jumps a time, or miss times a jump, it's going to be an interception. It's going to be a you know bad down ball, that sort of thing. But even to Jaden Bray, right, you throw it up there where you know your receiver is bigger than the other guy or stronger or you know better at those sort of things, and you put it up there. I thought the ones to Tamar and were – perfectly placed in corners, you know, exactly where you needed to be, and that's why those looked even cleaner. But the fact that he threw up so many 50-50 balls was just so impressive because you didn't see him do that, that much that like that often last year where they babied him along a lot more. And he, it made sense, right? He was a freshman, and they were not they were a lot more conservative with him. They didn't really go through his progressions. They just get the ball out quickly, uh, run game, you know, punt the ball away. But now they let him, you know, they unleashed him a little bit. They took the chains off, and they let him do a lot of those things, and he looked pretty impressive. And to... And and you mentioned the O line, Chris. I think that was a huge point here. He was um, he had so much time. Like mm-hmm. the more well, I looked at it, more, going back to that time thing, he was sacked only one time. Right, and I and that one sack was Jake Springfield, who played pretty really well. 
he had one play where he got bull rushed by Kevin Ellis, who's their best defensive mm-hmm. their best defensive player, debatably. Missouri State's he's a sack master for them, and he just bull rushed Jake Springfield, and that's the only one. There's maybe one other pressure, but for the most part, he was clean, and he got the ball out quickly. He was stood in the pocket, he was poised, he made good decisions. There were there were a couple you know issues right. Not everything was great. Um, he he did miss a couple guys on some of them. Braden Johnson could have a touchdown. He he missed a couple guys here and there, and there were some of them some inaccuracies here and there. But that, that happens, right? I mean, the guy's still developing. He's still young, and obviously didn't play too much last year. So it, those are some of the things you come along with. But I think the the main point here is how much more difficult his job was considering the run game struggles. Because when you first off when you have that run game, it helps you because you. Um, first off, you get in better situations, right? A third and short, third and three, third and one. The whole playbook is open. And then also you get the play-action game, you know, once the run game starts going. And more impo- most importantly, the defense has to k- account for both. But if not, on the other side of it, it you become very one-dimensional. And all of a sudden, they know you're just passing it every single play. And they knew that was Shane Ellingworth, but yet he kept striking them. He kept finding guys. And the offensive line continued blocking. Because it's even for the offensive line, it's a different dynamic. When that defensive line knows that you're not going to run it, they, can, they attack differently than when they're, uh, you know, run blocking. There's a difference. And considering all of that, he still put together a pretty impressive game, I thought. Yeah, you know, he played well. And we, we've we talked about it. He he was he looked poised. So he, I think he said it the best. He was poised. Looked like in the pocket, at least, before, like, taking away all the throws and everything. In the pocket, he looked like a veteran. And he felt, it seemed like he felt comfortable out there. Um, which is something, I, looking back on last year, I don't think he ever looked like he felt comfortable in the pocket. A lot of those and that was because, yeah, before, yeah. yeah, OSU OSU's offensive line was the polar opposite of what it was yesterday, or Saturday, last year. Run blocking was fantastic, and pass blocking was shaky to say it to say, to say it the best. Um, but he had a good game. There were a couple of throws, like Sadiq said, that he just missed, you know, some youth youthful mistakes. He missed, I think, Brennan Presley and Brian Johnson both had... Uh, seam routes on the inside that could have scored touchdowns easily. Mm-hmm. Um, I think on both those drives, if I remember, Oshu ended in a punt anyway. Had a punted away, so that's 14 more points that could have been on the board. Um, the one of the last drives of the game, Braden Johnson was on a, a quick slant route, and Braden stopped and Shane threw it in the middle of the field, and Braden was on the other side. So it yeah. was just a, another receiver uh, quarterback miscommunication. And yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because that that doesn't that was a big thing where most of his mispasses were on timing and mm-hmm. messing up the timing. Um, and I and think that goes back to he was kind of thrown into the situation. Only they didn't yeah, know for and, very and, long that Spencer yeah, wasn't going to be able to play. And that, that's one of those things. Um, but that, I mean, that, even for veteran quarterbacks, sometimes the timing mm-hmm. is off. And that Braden Johnson one. It, he Braden Johnson was wide open, could have ran the slant route, could have settled down. He probably settled down because he, he saw his so own open, defense. Yeah. He saw his own defense. He settled down the middle, and Shane Ellingworth should have hit him there. Or maybe mm-hmm. he had more space, and Shane Ellingworth wanted to hit it, and that's a touchdown, right? Yeah. You can look at it either way, but that's some of the timing and the understanding. Again, you don't predetermine it before the play call. It's in the moment. For both of them, they have to be on the same page. But, again, that happens, and right. that's you know that happens from time to time. Right, and there was a lot of times he was he was perfect on timing. Uh, a couple of those times were to Tay Martin, who we can talk, we're going to talk about now. Um Tay, great game, stepping into his first game as OSU's uh, starting Z receiver. Six catches, 107 yards, and a touchdown. Almost a second one there at the end. was barely barely bobbled it on the end zone. He he uh, told Casey Dunn at, at, during the game he, he needs to finish ugly on that one. And uh, he had 10 targets, which is mm-hmm. the most of any OSU receiver. Also had the most catches and yards and the only receiving touchdown. But Tay, you know, I don't – I think we're everyone was kind of worried who was going to fill in for Tylen Wallace. And it was all every coach just kept telling us Tay Tay Tay, but we I mean, at the same time I was I was still a little skeptical I was like all right we'll see he he has the experience at Washington State but 
It's just how is he going to fit in the OSU offense, and he fit in perfectly. His 50-50 balls, uh, Shane said it caught, said it the best. When you throw it to him, it's like a 90-10 ball. So he caught them all. Uh, it looked really good. Tay surprised me. He, he, he didn't surprise me per se, but he looked good, and I think he fills this role perfectly for the Cowboys. Dean, what did, what did you see from, from the OSU new number one? You know, I mean, a lot of, a lot of the talk going into this season was it's going to be Tay and it's going to be Brennan because look at what they did in the bowl game. And you knew that wasn't going to carry over for all of for everybody's bowl game performance. And sure enough, I mean, not that Brennan Presley had a bad game. He still made some catches. He still showed up. But Tay Martin was the one who shined uh, of the receiving core. I even think Bryson Green and um, Jaden Bray also looked really good. As but they complimented Tay. Tay was right. the main the main part uh, on Saturday, and he. What he? What was he? One hundred and seven yards. One hundred and seven. One hundred and seven yards. And he missed about half the game, probably. Yeah. 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 He, he, had a, he tweaked his ankle, so. Yeah, he tweaked his ankle on a back in the back of the end zone. Um, but no, Tay Tay looked good. Tay looked the part, and you know I think every time that this situation comes up where OSU loses a receiver to the NFL, and there's all this talk of how are they going to be able to replace him, and then everybody's surprised. When the replacement starts playing just as good as the as who they're who they're replacing, and I think this is just the next situation in that you know James Washington leaves and Tylen Wall starts impressing. Tylen Wallace leaves, well, Tay Martin's going to start impressing, I think. And I think yeah, after that bowl game, everyone's looking toward Brennan Presley. But like I always told you guys, and you guys have heard me say this a hundred times now, I thought Tay Martin was going to be the best receiver. I still think that. And after you know last uh, Saturday, it looks like he's going to be the best receiver for this team. And, yeah, I mean, six receptions, 107 yards, and a touchdown. And he could have had possibly two more touchdowns. One was on a pass interference, and the other one he was just inches away. Just barely got his foot down, but, you know, bobbled the ball a little bit. And that would have even made his stats look even better. But it was the impact and how, you know, just with ease he got open. And that's the main thing. With him, it's his his body control and his uh, ball skills are elite, right? That's why he's able to go up and catch those 50-50 balls, which is something – talented so well but I think also he's he's a great route runner he's got great speed we saw in the bowl game where on those out routes he's great yards after the catch he's physical he's also fast 6'3 he's got the frame and I think he he can do all these different things I, like the route run is one of the main things I think because you saw a lot of those smash concepts where you saw Brayden Johnson run the flat route and the corner route with uh, Tay Martin and you know just just savvy route running he's got great footwork uh, when he comes off the line on his release, he's he, and like I said, he he's 186, so he looks a little smaller, but he's mm. physical and he doesn't. He's not entitled and Wallace physical, but <laughs> very few are. <laughs> but Tay Martin's able to do all those things, and I think him and Presley just complement each other so well. All right, we're gonna talk about the other receivers now. Uh, I think there's probably three on this list, maybe four that could stand out. So I'll just ask each one of us. We can each talk about one. Uh, Sadiq, I'll let you pick. Who who do you want to talk about? Um, yeah, I think Jaden Bray is one of those guys because. Between him and Green, you, those are kind of the guys you're looking at as the X receiver going forward. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Bray really plays as much if uh, if Blaine Green plays, but you know when Jaden Bray came out there, he just showed that ability on those 50-50 balls when he goes out, gets outside leverage, and then goes up and catches it. We saw the str- the strength. That's the thing you always talked about with the guy like that, right? With that stature, what is he six five? Mm-hmm. And then he's got the ball skills, the hands to go up and catch it. That's that was impressive to me, and that's something you love to see. And from from the guy opposite of Tate Martin, right? One of the more savvy route runners who runs that from the Z receiver, but for the X receiver who's physical, big, you know, needs to get off the line of scrimmage and release, I think he did it really well. And I don't know how much he'll play, you know, this season, right. but I think that was yeah. really impressive for me. Yeah, I think he only I think he only played a lot just because Tay Martin was out with his injury. I mm-hmm. think on the depth chart we got today, he is, he is Tay's backup. So right. 
And there's going to be uh, plays that they dial up where Tay's not going to be in there because th- people get tired. Right. They need breaks. So Jaden, I think, will see some time. He's obviously not going to be— And Gundy plays a lot. Yeah, of yeah. He's obviously not going to blow up the, the stat sheet every week. But, you know, two catches, uh, 52 yards, which is impressive. Um, also, a fun fact, this is only his third season uh, playing football. He started as a junior in high school at Norman. Hmm. And he was a basketball player. Coach Gundy said he wanted to be the next Kobe Bryant. <laughs> but now— He's he's dominating on the field for OSU. Uh, Dean, who who who's your who's your receiver that you want to you want to talk about? Well, you know, I think uh, we sh- I I should touch on Brendan Presley because, like I mean, like I just said, he he didn't catch your eye necessarily so much um, in, in the shadow of Tay Martin on su- on Saturday, but uh, he just seemed to be in the right spot when the ball was going to him. You know, he he seemed to he knew he knew where the ball was going to be. He would make the play. And then, on top of that, I think he he did pretty good. I'm gonna say pretty good. I'm not gonna say great on his punt and kick returns. He had the one I forget when the, it was. The very first one. The very first one, yeah, yeah. That Mike Gundy talked about today, where he ran 96 yards but ended up losing two. You know, so I think on those <laughs> punt returns he's he's swaying a little too. Yeah, this, I guess this not east west because yeah. I remember I remember somebody saying in the press box. I'm not sure who it was, but. Uh, somebody said, "This isn't the Bigsby High School anymore. You can't just go out on the outside. And no one's gonna, you're not the fastest guy on the field anymore. He's yeah. fast, but there's going to be guys who are just as fast as him." So you know, I think it, I, I'm sure that's being addressed in practice this week. But uh, I, I, I like where he, I like the role he's fitting into, and I think OSU needs somebody like Brennan Presley because I think that role is going to be crucial down the road. Yeah, right. and I, I think on that uh, punter trend, they bring that up. That's one of those things you see with just guys with so much raw ability. Usually at high school, we saw this with Bo Nix at quarterback as well, where you feel like you can make every play and you always want to get up to the edge because your speed is deafening. And that's one of those things with Presley. But I also like his his route running and his his ability to get out on his out routes. And I'm going to be curious how OSU uses him even more. They didn't use him much on you know like jet sweeps and in the backfield, which I think they did last year a little bit. And I think that's going to make him even better. Yeah, I think I, I didn't mention that. I know a lot of people in our field. I don't. I'm not going to dr- name drop, but. A lot of them are saying that OSU didn't use Brandon Presley enough. Uh, they need to use him more. I think a lot of people expect him to be the number one guy, which just isn't ha- going to happen. Yeah, and, and that's fine. Um, like when I say that, but, I, mean, I just mean a few yeah, touches here no, and there. Yeah, right? no, yeah. I agree. But in, I don't also think voice, yeah. I also think looking at this game, this is the game that OSU didn't want to show all their cards. Right. You're exactly. not going to want to. You don't want to show off all your your you know special plays that you're going to pull out once every so often in a tight game that you're going to show off in the Big 12 games. You know, mm-hmm. you'll pull off against K State when you're uh, when the game's close when you, he scored his first career touchdown last year. Um, Against Missouri State, that's not necessarily the, the goal. You're not going to show your cards. You're going to kind of play your game and just try to get out of there with a win like they did. Um, I liked how they used Brennan in this game. He, he like, like Dean said, he didn't light it up, but he played well when he needed to. He caught the passes he was given. He caught four of seven targets. Um, they targeted him seven times, which, yeah, is, pretty, which is pretty solid. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Second or third most behind Bryson Green and Tay Martin, who I guess I'll talk about Bryson Green. You and, know, and before you do that, okay. just to say one last thing. One of the issues with Stoner when he was in slot mm-hmm. last year was they would run him a lot of slants and flats and just get in the ball because he's reliable, he can catch it, which is great. But with Presley, they would let him get on the field, attack down the field, and you know create more explosive plays. And when he has the ball in space, it's difficult to catch him. Right. On, on that note, on the Stoner note, he, you talked about punt returns earlier. Um, I'm glad that, yes, he lost those two yards on that first return, but I don't think he fair caught a punt yesterday. And that's something that I wish we could see more of Stoner do. It's like... Gundy said it today. Uh, he wishes Brandon Presley would have fair caught that one because they were in a safe, uh, like a safe blocking scheme for that one. But I don't. I th- if you have the room and Brandon Presley is a smart kid. If he didn't have the room, he would have fair caught it. But he had a room, so 
I'm just glad they're at least trying to return punts because that's something that could really light a team's momentum up, especially in a game like that where it was close. Um, I think uh, I mean, we saw it in Bedlam. Uh, what year is that? Tyree Kill year. Uh, 2015? 14. 14. We saw it there. A punt return won a game. So say like you know say Tyreek Hill fair fair catches that you don't know how the game ends right yeah so a punt return could you know mean a lot to a team and Oshu hasn't had one I think since then um, it's been a while since Oshu's had a punt return touchdown so I think that that streak could end this year but Bryson Green um, three three catches on eight targets uh, forty one yards I think he, I think he did pretty well first collegiate game mm-hmm. um, obviously came in with a lot of hype but I mean as a number three I mean he comes in as you know probably the number three receiver. Uh, on of the people who started, um, yeah, and he, he, in pecking order for sure. Yeah, exactly, and he he played well, and also you know he wasn't even just a starter coming in. His brother was, but his brother was hurt last week, so he can't play. Um, I think he played pretty well. Uh, he's got size, um, athleticism. Uh, another guy who could he didn't we didn't see this very much, but he can also probably go catch up uh, catch the fifty fifty balls. Right. Uh, he's quick, which is good. I think Oshu has a lot of quick receivers this year. Him, Tay, Brennan, uh, Jaden Bray's quick. Brayden Johnson, we all know like, that's probably the only reason he's really still in the in the depth charts because he's fast. And then Rashad Owens also showed off speed. But mm-hmm. uh, Brayden Johnson, just while we're on it, the other two receivers who caught passes, two uh, two catches, five targets, uh, two yards. Um, Rashad Owens, one on one target and 28 yards. So I think all in all, Oshie's receivers played pretty well, um, all considering a quarterback that's not – they're going to be, be their normal starter. Um they got a lot of guys in the game, and they shut off. They can catch 50-50 balls, and I think that's, that's going to be important come Big 12 play with a lot of a lot of good DBs in the Big 12 this year. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And I think with the Green Twin, we're going to see more and more ability. Right now, you know, from that X spot, it was mostly just vertical routes and, you know, out routes and curl routes. There wasn't too much you saw, but you saw some of the hands just catching ability. There was one where I think everyone thought it was a catch. Uh, would have been short of four, first down anyway, mm-hmm. but um, still yeah. not, I don't think it's that relevant. But <laughs> uh, Braden Johnson, I think – you mentioned him. I think one of the things I was interested to see this year is they move him to the slot inside. In what capacity do they use him, right? Mm-hmm. Because obviously you're close to the quarterback. You, you just get the ball in space and see what you can do. Because we know about his athleticism, his explosive speed. And what I liked about him is they let him run you know, down the field a few times mm-hmm. from that slot spot, which is even more difficult because he can take the top of the defense. He can go different directions. He's, also, he's a good route runner. People forget that. But his hands are always a question, right? What I like is that they let him run down the field, you know, threaten the defense if nothing else. And they passed him a few times, but also they got him. There was a concerted effort to get him the ball on a lot of those jet sweeps, which we saw more than Brett and Presley do. But you have that threat. The moment you do that, not only are you able to get you know positive yards because this guy's explosive with the ball in his hands, but you put a deterrent on the defense. You know, shift around linebacker, shift around your defensive scheme because you're accounting for that possibility. Go sideline and sideline. Suddenly the defense is stretched and you pass it down the field. That's football. And I think having another one of those guys inside was is a good move for Casey Dunn. Mike Gundy in this offense, so I'm excited how he kind of his role kind of goes. He might not ever burst up 100 yards, but his role and his impact I think could, you know, help this team. Right. He had, uh, like I said, he had the two only two yards, but like we mentioned earlier, he had that one uh, where he just ran a, a simple seam route, and the defense just didn't pick him up, and Shane just barely missed him, a little overthrown, and it would have been touchdown for I think probably 50 plus yards. So, yep. you know, he was this close. He was inches away from having. A, huge, a big game and being a top receiver for OSU last uh, last night or Saturday night, but he didn't, and we'll see what happens. But I think the receiving core played well. Dean, any any final thoughts on the offense? Yeah, uh, offensively, O line needs to be better on the run block. Running backs, I think, need to distinguish themselves a little better. To receiving core, I think 
was a big concern coming in. Who's going to step up? But might be a young group, but I think they're ready for the. Yeah, no doubt about that. Right. So you have any closing thoughts on the offense before we move no, on? I agree. I think the receivers are big time because you we always knew there was so much talent in this room, and we didn't even see John Paul Richardson, obviously no Blaine Green. But, yeah, we see that even though they're young. More like yeah. Anderson. Yeah. Right. Yeah, there, there are three guys who, who we didn't see who could have <laughs> been contributors. Sorry, Sadiq. I know you're mourning because, you know, he's out for a senior period of time, but, but you know, you have to, you have to mention him. All right. And, and even with all this, like we said, right, even though there's so much inexperience, there was always a lot of talent in this room. And, you know, they've had a whole offseason, something they did not have last year. Uh, you get, in Casey Dunn's program, you get – you learn to run routes. You learn to play these positions. You learn chemistry with your both your quarterbacks. So I think that's that's a big thing moving forward, just to have that aerial attack. That's always important for this offense. Right, and my final thought on the offense is, uh, like I said earlier, he was on, Shane Ellingworth was only sacked once, and he was only he, Missouri State was only credited with four quarterback hurries. Yeah. So that just shows how elite this pass blocking was. That and, feels a little high. And yeah, even that seems a little high. I yeah. feel like it was too. <laughs> I think I think some of the hurries they probably counted as yeah. the guy probably touched him after he threw the ball barely. But mm-hmm. I don't know. There, he really wasn't hurried a lot. Uh, I know he had escape earlier ran. in the game. He had escaped the pocket and, one time. And, that, and, and you know, looking back, that was just on a busted RPO where yeah. um, once the linemen are too far down, you can't pass anyways. So you scramble forward. Smart move. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, it's very very smart move from them. But on the defensive side of the ball. Um, this defense was, I think, I, it was supposed to be impressive beforehand. A lot of people were saying, oh, well, they, they you know, they still give up 13 points to Missouri State, and they didn't look that great, or the tackling was suspect, which I don't think any of that's true. I think the defense looked really, really good, mm-hmm. um, especially when they were put in bad situations. The same thing that happened last year. You know, there are games that you look at the scoreboard, and they see you see the OSU gave up 35-something points, but a lot of that was because the offenses had only had to go 20 yards to score a touchdown, and so... Uh, OSU defense, five sacks, nine tackles for loss, a fumble recovery, and 11 quarterback hurries, yeah. which I think I think that's the number to circle right there. You you hurried Jason Shelley 11 times and sacked him five times. So OSU was living in the backfield that game. Um, I think a lot of that to do with the amount of aggress- or aggressiveness that Jim Knowles showed, showed. But I want to ask you guys about it because I was pretty impressed with it. Third down defense. Um, led the country last year. I think we all expected to be pretty good this year. Mm-hmm. You know, I obviously can't expect it to lead the country every year because other teams have good games, and oh, shoot, probably there's going to be a couple games where they might have bad games. But six of eighteen, which is thirty three point three percent for all you math withers out there. Um, what did you guys see from that third down defense? I know a lot of the times it was like, especially on third and yeah. short, it was they'd lose yards on they'd force them to lose right. yards on those. Uh, several things, honestly. One on third and short situations, you have. Guys, Malcolm Rodriguez, Devin Harper, Tyler Lacey, so on that, and you know these safeties that are so strong that they'll stop you one yard gain and just stop you in your tracks. They could tackle you, you know, you stumble forward, you get a first down. No, with this defense, these guys can do it. The defensive line can get penetration. But I'll say this before anything else: the defense didn't look the best it did, but for two reasons. One, Jason Shelley is a great decision maker, as we saw yesterday. He he would wait to the last second to either pull it on the zone reads and go or hand off to the running back, and, and that's difficult. <laughs> no matter how talented your defense is, you have to stay disciplined, which I'm glad they did because they gave up a lot of big plays last year when they didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also the scheme. Jim Knowles talked about how they had played off all game, a lot of off coverage, which I agreed with, and I was surprised. Not that he said that, but that he, they did that because I saw that all game. You saw Jared Bernard yeah. Converse, all these corners play off, which they did not do it all, all last year. Mm-hmm. They were physical. They were up in your face. 
and most of the time it ended up four, five, six straight three and outs because that pass rush would get there, and there's such creative schemes. You either throw eight down there in pass rush, you put three, you drop guys in coverage, and then you have tight coverage on the outside. And with Jim Knoll just playing a little safer and letting those underneath throws go, and then you have the combination of a good Jason Shelley-led off- offense, I think you were able to get some of those, uh, some more, uh, like we talked about earlier in, in this, Missouri State's offense was able to move a little bit. And it was a combination of a lot of different things, like you know the, the defense, the offense, so on. But I think it's going to get better easily. I'm not even saying, like, okay, I think we'll get better. It's going to be better because Jim Knowles is going to figure out, okay, you know, let's go back to what worked last year. Let's be even tighter and squeeze them on defense. But a lot of times, even when this offense was rolling, Missouri State's offense, OSU's defense clanked down the run zone, and they let either three points or zero points in most plays, and they were put in a lot of bad situations. And I think that's where they were at their best. Um, I think in their three three times where Missouri State got the ball, either off a turnover or a punt, in OSU territory, 50 yards or under, the three results were a missed kick, a made kick, and a turnover on downs. And that turnover on downs was, what, 14 yards away? And that's just the impressiveness. When when they're at the most dire situation where it looks like, all right, yeah, you know, Missouri State's going to score here. It's going to be a tight game. You know, things are going haywire. Their defense locks in. And defenses aren't great simply because they, you know, limit to on yards and, and touchdowns. It, they're great because they make timely plays when you need them most. Right. Dean? Yeah, I mean, Sadiq touched pretty – Sadiq thoroughly covered, I think, the secondary and uh, linebackers there to begin with. But – I want to touch on the defensive line just a little bit because they came into this game without Trace Ford yep. and Israel Antoine. Which are big. <laughs> huge, huge missing pieces. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Sione Asi and Brock Martin stepped into those roles. And I think they performed really well because we talk about you send Malcolm Rodriguez and Devin Harper and they're going to get home most of the times. So. Yeah. But even when they would drop back in coverage – and you would just rush four? Yeah, I'm getting there. <laughs> I, the, Jason Shelley did not have much time back there to, to sit on sit on the ball. Right, and, and most of the time he's making plays because he was able to escape out of the pocket because yeah. of his legs. But I think you're right. That's something that totally slipped my mind. They didn't even have their full starters. Israel Antoine's an impact guy. It's like he's one of those guys he's not going to rack up many tackles. You're not going to see much on the stat sheet. But his impact is he's climbing up double teams. He's holding a line of scrimmage and letting other defensive ends and linebackers get in for stops. Right. And OSU's offense, I want to touch on some stuff that Sadiq said. Uh, OSU's defense gave up 336 yards uh, to total. And, yes, that number seems like a lot, but it really isn't. And it's because of what Sadiq said. They were they were playing off. They are okay with giving up those five, six-yard games. And, and those are going to happen. But mm-hmm. then you got to look. OSU only gave up 13 points, only one touchdown. Right. So, it hap- I, I, I think it goes back to what I said about the offense, is Jim Knowles doesn't want to show all his cards in the first game. If you're going to, you know... If you show all your cards and you're going to play up tight and you're going to play yeah. super aggressive the whole first game, then teams are going to know how to scheme for you. And you're going to be, get beat by the deep play like we talked about in the podcast before uh, the game. Is OSU gave up a lot of deep plays last year, and they didn't They didn't uh, Saturday night. So, Yeah, that's the one thing. When, when the one drive that was really methodical, it was methodical, they moved it down with chunk plays, little mm-hmm. five, yeah, ten yards. Five, yeah, and then they eventually which, got which down there. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think Mike Gundy and this team will take that most times. You give up one yeah. long touchdown drive. You'll yeah. take it. <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah, no, I agree completely. I don't think the defense is bad. It, yeah, you look at the, you can look at the yards, but it, the yards are kind of misleading in the sense that it's one of those things you can't just look at the stat sheet for and decide if yeah. the defense is good or bad. You have to go watch the game and why do they give up those yards? Because right. a bunch of five, six yard games, a rush defense gave up 102 yards, but even then, 
The run, the run defense was really, really good. And that's, um, that's a mix of quarterback play as well, right? Yeah, no, Jason Shelley, Shelley can, can run the ball, and that was a lot of his own reach really, things. They, they he waited until the last second, and by that time, yep. when you have a quarterback who can wait till the very last moment and still pull that ball out, and who's that fast, and, and you're he gonna, you're, the, yep. he's going to make some guys miss. He's going to get beat. But that's just something you got to live with. It's football. It's, you can't stop a team 100% of the time, ever. Um, well, unless you're OSU's third down defense. So then there's times where you can't. But, you know, Malcolm Rodriguez, <laughs> let's talk about that real quick. I know mm-hmm. uh, one of our one of our fellow sports media majors, uh, Marshall Levinson, said that he get, uh, he thinks Malcolm could have 100 tackles. And at the time, I'm like, all right, that seems kind of ridiculous. But he has 15 this game. Yep. He's he's partway there already. Um, it felt like he had 100. I mean, it felt like Malcolm Rodriguez in the play helped with the tackle every single time they touched the ball. Uh, or every single time Missouri State touched the ball. And... I think Malcolm could be, uh, if he if he can keep this up, which obviously 15 tackles a game is a hard pace to maintain, but with how aggressive he is and how quick he is to the ball, I think Malcolm, with this game, puts up a good argument for, you know, maybe he needs to be on All-American watch this year. No, I think I think if I'm not mistaken, he had 100-something mm-hmm. two years ago, and that wasn't even the same player he is today. Yeah, he's really, and he's really good now. It, it's crazy because he's not the biggest linebacker, mm-hmm. but he is He'll so you, strong. Yeah. yeah, like he has got great hands when he's – Shedding blocks he, in the pass rush game, he he is he's got a great instincts. That's what he has. Where he'll he'll wait until you're just the offensive lineman steps away to go block someone else for a second, and then he'll run in. Mm-hmm. And or or you know sometimes Jim Knowles just schemes it so well that um, he does it, and he's got good coverage instincts. We saw that on the early zone run play. Sorry, not a zone run play, just the zone defense they ran into uh, early on, where he almost intercepted it there. Right? I mean, he's got he's great, and I think what he gives, brings this offense and what what he brings this defense. He's going to pile up the tackles. But, again, a lot of the credit has to go to the D-line and, like, mm-hmm. Israel Antoine and Tyler Lacey and Rockmore and these guys eating up gaps and tackle and uh, blocks. Mm-hmm. And this guy comes in, he shoots gaps so well, and he gets in and makes stops. And he is so strong. He does not lose leverage. Once, he, once he's got you, he's bringing you down. That's that wrestling strength. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes him so dangerous. I think 100 tackles is a pretty pretty easy uh, goal for this guy, which is yeah. saying a lot. Yeah. Uh, I'm just going to read through his stat line real quick before Dean uh, makes says what he thinks. Nine solo tackles, six assisted, 15 total, one tackle for loss, one forced fumble, one pass breakup that should have been an interception, but the linebacker hands. Um, <laughs> and then three quarterback hurries, which I think is the best. You know, if we talk about 15 tackles, three mm-hmm. QB hurries by yeah. one person is a, a lot. Um, but, yeah, Malcolm's just, he had a really good game, and I expect him to keep this up. Okay. Uh, I'm just going to make a note on what Chris just said. That forced fumble, I really don't think that was through Malcolm Rodriguez. That looked more like Jason <laughs> Shelley bobbled the ball on the snap. On the stat sheet, it's counted toward it. Malcolm oh, is giving credit for it. I know he's giving credit for it, but I don't agree with that that official score keep. But, uh, no, I mean, Malcolm had a great game. And I think what complemented his great game was the depth that OSU was able to show at the linebacker position. Yeah. Because, you know, I and – to even take it one step further, Devin Harper also had a really great game as a yes, starter. Yeah. I think all four, all four linebackers had really good games. Yeah, and then when it came down to it, and you know, mm-hmm. either they wanted to run a certain package or they just needed to give Malcolm and Devin a, a breather. Right. When They're they, going to do that often. Yeah. They have the guys. Yeah. When they bring in Mason Cobb and uh, Cam Farrar, you know, they look good. Mm-hmm. I mean, Mason Cobb, I think it was third quarter. He, sh- he shoots a gap and just lays out. Or was, I think maybe it was second quarter. I don't remember. Yeah, it, was it, was. Th- it was one of the. Yeah, it was. One, I think it was toward the middle of the game. Yeah, Mason Cobb. I mean, third and two, shoots the gap and, and, and levels him. Lays yeah. out Jason Shelley. You know, Cam Farrar, He he was he was not only making tackles on on defense. He was doing it on special teams too. He yeah. was getting down into uh, on punt uh, coverage. Yeah. I, I mean, 
that linebacker core, I think Jim Knowles has to be really excited about. Yeah, Malcolm Rodriguez was the only linebacker of the four that played it that, that didn't have a sack, but he also he had the three QB <laughs> hurries. You know, Devin Harper had one and a half sacks. Cam Farrar had the first sack of the season for OSU, which I think was a shocker. Uh, and Mason Cobb had the sack where he leveled Jason Shelley before he even had time to turn around. And so, I this linebacker core, we talked about how like, it was one of the it was probably the probably the biggest question mark besides who was going to play that second corner spot on this defense uh, after losing uh, Amen Ogbogna-Minga because you lose mm-hmm. a starter, and you, so that means one of your depth pieces move up. And then Cam Farrar and uh, Mason Cobb were kind of unknowns coming into the year. Yeah. Like we, we knew who they were, but they didn't have experience. So this linebacker core, I think, <laughs> all of a sudden looks like the strength of this defense. Right, and that was a big thing. You knew the two guys at top, Malcolm mm-hmm. and uh, Devin. You knew you had the starters at top. You were fine there. The question was the depth. And Gundy likes to run too deep when he can, right? And that's yep. why they were able to rotate guys so much last year. And, yeah, impressed with Mason Cobb. He's got great downhill ability as a tackler. And the one where he came in as a sack, that was purely – there was eight or nine guys up there. That's a Jim Knowles scheme, and that's that's the main thing. These linebackers, these entire defense, they're going to look great. And they are great, right? You have great personnel there. But also a lot of it ties in with how good this scheme is and how Jim Knowles is going to confuse the offense. So he's going to show you different looks, and he's going to have – personnel and versatility with these guys where you can pull them in different positions. You don't know who's coming. You don't know what's coming. And sometimes you do know and you just don't have enough guys to defend it and you have the corners to stick on the outside. It's just the perfect storm. And I think it's an entirely impressive unit. Yeah, right. Real quick, um, I'm going to switch it around on the the uh, the notes real quick that we have. We're going to talk about the loss of Trace Ford first, which kind of touched on it already. Might as well just go the whole segment for it. Um, Trace Ford out with another 20 ACL. This time his other knee. Um, just when he got back, he had just been cleared. He, he obviously was practicing. That's how he how he towards this ACL. But it just sucks, you know. I I can't I can't I just feel so bad for him. Um, he's he's a really good kid and mm-hmm. a great athlete. Um, has a, if he can come back from this ACL, he, he has a future in the yeah, NFL no uh, easily. He's probably a, he's a freak athlete even. He's a freak athlete. Um, no no person should be that big and that tall uh, or that fast and that strong and everything. Mm-hmm. That big. Yeah. But it's a. Yes, the defense played well. Yes, the Leo position looks fine. You have Brock Martin, uh, Colin Oliver, Ben Kapinski. Um, you Tyron have Irby. guys. Yeah, Tyron Irby. You have guys who can fill that spot. Mm-hmm. But when you lose a guy like Trace Ford, it's still going to hurt. Um, okay. Even if you don't see it on the sheet, just think of what it, what the, this defense was going to be if he could play. Yeah, and that's the thing. It, it, it could hurt a lot worse for a lot of units. Mm-hmm. When you lose a guy this caliber, debatably, I wouldn't even say I couldn't. I don't think I could justify saying he's – Debatably the best uh, defensive oh, yeah. player on this unit because you got so many other great guys with Trey yeah. and Colby, but he is probably their best defensive lineman when he's healthy, uh, actually easily, mm-hmm. and he brings a different dimension as a one-on-one guy because he just he's got so many pass rushing moves. He's got freak athleticism. He chase you down and run defense. He can you can drop him in coverage. You got so many so much versatility from that Leo position, and he's just yeah you know, like you said a freak athlete. So, luckily, you have Brock Martin, you have a Tyron Irby, so you're, you're, the production's not going to come off that much, and they're still going to be strong as a unit. But it just it's just, first off, obviously, bolsters your depth when you have that guy at the top and all these other guys behind him. But at the same time, he's also just a impressive player, and you, it, it's going to hurt a little bit, no doubt. It always does when you lose a guy of that caliber, but luckily, this team has enough pieces around him. Yeah. Dan? Yeah, I mean, I pretty much agree with what Sadiq had to say there. It's going to be a big loss, but they'll be able to... I mean, they did it. They did it last year in the bowl game. I mean, again, mm-hmm. that's just one game. Right. Now we're dealing with the season, but I, I think they'll be able to patch it up. And yeah, the the loss sucks, mm-hmm. but they'll be able to 
to work yeah. work it out and get creative with it. It's yeah. just one of those things that you're gonna look back. We're gonna look back at the end of the year and just be like, man, this defense is good. Yeah. But imagine if you have Trace Ford, this defense is. I can't say ten times better, but but I, I could so see them being better. just just as good as they were last year. Oh, yeah, they're, better yeah, they're still going to be good and yeah, they're still going to be really really yeah. good. But just and think of the. I mean, he he was probably he could if he played and he played to the caliber that he's capable of. He could, he was easily going to be an All American this year and, and this, at least All Big Twelve. Yeah, this opens the door a little bit for Colin Oliver as well. Mm-hmm. And his we saw on the one play, but yeah, his freak athleticism. He had a nice hump move on mm-hmm. the. Um, on the lineman where he just yeah. he's coming bull rush and he pushes one arm and goes and then he just gets after the quarterback on that sack. He, he's I think I mean I, I've never <laughs> heard a coaching staff hype up a player this much. Yeah. And they have hyped him up a lot. Yeah. And you saw it in that one play obviously, oh, yeah. but this yeah, yeah this hyped him up. A lot. They hyped him up a lot after the game. Uh, mm-hmm. like, quote CO, so, yeah. what they call him. Yep. Um, yeah, they, they hyped Jim Knowles hyped him up a lot. Uh, Malcolm hyped him up hyped him up a lot. Brock Martin called him a future All American uh, a couple weeks ago. Gundy hyped him up a lot today. Um, he played really well. And he's you know, a he, freshman, he, too. Yeah, he didn't, light up the, he didn't light up the stat sheet, but he had the half sack yeah. combined with another young guy, Jabbar Muhammad. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, he he's going to be really good. The Leo position is it's it's fine. It's not like it's not like a crushing blow, but it, it mm-hmm. sucks. Like, right, like it, it, it sucks. could it could hurt so much. It could have been yeah, if you don't have this depth yeah. it, that Ford, Ford of injury that Ford injury could mean yep. you know this defense could go from. The top in the country to just you know, middle of the pack yeah, and just exactly. another defense, but yeah, because he's he's that type of player. But yeah, you have you have the depth behind him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have experience with Tyron and Brock, um, and then the two inexperienced guys have been Kapinski and Carl. Right, Walker, yeah, yeah. But... Brock is experienced and is obviously a great pass rusher and mm-hmm. run stopper uh, in his own right, and there's a reason he's one of the leaders and older guys now, and obviously very very skilled. All right, let's talk about aggressiveness uh, real quick. I'm just gonna lead off this segment with a quote from Jim Knowles: "You gotta live in your hopes, not your fears." That's what he said when he was asked about. Run zero blitzes on fourth or like third and thirteen and fourth and fifteen. Oh and, yeah. Um, but OSU's aggressive. Um, we knew that last year. We knew this coming into this year. Um, but <laughs> he got really aggressive yesterday. Like I think a, what three, four, zero blitzes that he called. Um, they all worked. No big plays happened out of them. But you know, <laughs> his defense is really aggressive. And I think coming into Big Twelve play, I think it hurt or it helps them more than it hurts them. Yeah, they they've been doing this all of last year. You saw a lot of. Cover one, cover zero looks a lot of cover zero looks. Uh, my only question is, how, you know the corners the outside are gonna stick. Christian Holmes definitely mm-hmm. uh, looked good in that. Right, there was one play late in the game where he just jumped the route, and that looked like okay, this is that's an elite play. Um, but the big question last year wasn't how Rodarius and Jarek Brown Converse were covering on the outside. It was how Colby Harville peeled Tanner McAllister in the slot because I don't think they have the yeah. fluid enough hips where they're able to run and cover as much. That's why Tanner gave up a few slant routes out of there. He mm-hmm. did last year as well. I always said. Last year, I think Tanner McAllister was a better run defender than Jarek Bernard Converse. But I think Jarek's a better coverage mm-hmm. guy. Um, and the slot, that's one of those things. But at the same time, they only need to defend for a second or two because yeah, – second and a half yeah. because that your pass is coming. Your linebackers you know? are so quick. Exactly. And, that, and when you're putting yeah. – yeah, when you're putting safeties like Trey And when you're Sterling, rushing eight people anyway. Then. Right. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> when you're putting up those guys, it's like like the safeties. You put Trey Sterling on the D-line. you kidding me? It's like Jamal Adams where he's coming at you with the same ferocity of yeah, another defensive lineman. Yeah, you have 0.2 seconds to get rid of that mm-hmm. ball. And yep. If you don't, then it's going to be an incomplete pass. And, and even or... before you get hit or sacked, your 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 mind's already mm-hmm. clobbered because you're thinking, oh, i got to get this ball out quickly. Yeah, that's what, yeah, that's what helps. Game. Is, yeah, Tanner McAllister mm-hmm. and Colby aren't, obviously aren't the best yep. uh, safety – or corner or – no, they are the best safety guys. They're not the best coverage guys. Right. Well, Colby's but, elite on the backside. Let's say oh, yeah, that yeah. as a as a ball they're not, Yeah, they're not the great. They're not the greatest in the slot. And yep. but that's that's fine because mm-hmm. they you've got less than a second for that quarterback to get rid of the ball. So yep. and that that's one of those things. But that's the balance, right? You 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 be aggressive and you 
uh, force mistakes, you force three and outs, or you be conservative mm-hmm. and you uh, hope that they screw up, right? Yeah. There's and and for Jim Knowles, the former has always worked. I think. Yeah, they, I mean, they don't have to stick on it for like a second, and then as long as they can be close to the guy to either swat the ball away or. The ball might not even get two on there. Right, so. and it's like he might find an open guy but miss yeah. it because he's under so much pressure yeah. throwing and Aaron Pass. Yeah, it helped, it helped a lot yesterday that Jason Shelley really didn't look great throwing the ball. Um, he made a lot of just inaccurate throws that his receivers either bailed him out on or it was so bad that he couldn't. But um, going down the stretch, I think they're going to place better quarterbacks than Jason Shelley. But at the same time, when you have less than a second to throw the ball and you have eight guys barreling down on you, including Malcolm Rodriguez, who's giant. Yep. Um, no, that kind of messes with your mind a little bit. Hey, Dean, what do you think about the aggressiveness of this defense? Yeah, you know, I mean, I think it's very, very telling of uh, Jim Knowles and kind of his philosophy on defense. He he wants to be able to send everybody. Now that he's got such a veteran group, he can send everybody and uh, not have to worry about giving up that big play when you've got, you know, right. Colby and Jarek and Trey back there. If you want to send six or seven on a crucial play – you know you can because all those guys back there know how to play man and can yeah. do it. And and he does it so well for multiple reasons. One, it's it's he disguises coverage just so well where or disguises blitzes where you'll see the double safeties come too late where you can't adjust your offensive line. You'll see a linebackers come after the play, not move before. You'll see guys six guys in line drop two of them. You, you'll see all sorts of things. And uh, Brandon Weeden made this comment yesterday on the broadcast or Saturday rather that OSU's coverage. Whenever they play zone coverage, which they did a lot more last, yesterday, and again, good results, bad results, there's a mix of both. But um, what they did so well, or what they do so well, is they'll play the same base coverage, the same look at you every time, and then they'll drop into something. You'll mm-hmm. see Malcolm go to the curl flat. You'll see the safeties come down. You don't know who's going where, and you don't know what the coverage is either. So you might know it's cover two or cover three, but you don't know which which defender's going where, and it confuses you even more. All right, real quick before we go, uh, let's do some superlatives. Sadiq, we'll go. We'll, we'll start with play. We'll just do player of the game today. Mm-hmm. Who 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 are you picking on offense or defense? Anyone, just overall player of the game. I think Malcolm Rodriguez because his yeah. impact. He had several crucial third down stops. He obviously had a great game overall. Great as a pass rusher, and he was just a tone setter out there. Yep, Dean, player of the game. Um, I'm going Jose Pizano. I mean, I know he missed a field goal there, but he got three more. And his, and his team lost, but yeah, go for it. <laughs> and he got the extra point. <laughs> Uh, so real clutch performance from him, but uh, no, in all seriousness, you know I. Oh, think, that wasn't serious. <laughs> no, I think uh, I think you gotta give props to Shane. But if yeah. you're going real player of the game, I think you gotta go with Sadiq Silk. Malcolm Rodriguez, 15, mm-hmm. 15 tackles cannot be overlooked, and that defense answered the call every time. Yeah, the obvious player of the game is Malcolm, 100. But I'm just gonna go on and just say one out loud. I'm going to go Tom Hutton. I think he deserves it. Averaged 45.4 yards a punt, mm-hmm. uh, 318 yards total on seven punts, which first off, I don't think any of us expect him to punt seven times against Missouri State, but it did, he, or he did, and it happened, and he, he did good. He had a long of 52, mm-hmm. uh, three inside the 20, only one touchback, which we, we talked a lot about. It. We heard a lot of people talking about it at the press conference today. Um, by rule, I still don't think that was a touchback. Yeah, um, I don't think sure. the ball, I don't think I the ball ever was. crossed the plane, but... Uh, that's for it happened it happened it whatever but 50 45.4 yards of punts nothing to nothing to be bat- mad about but that's all for us that's all for you guys that's all we have for you guys today uh episode four oh uh the turf monsters podcast chris becker sadeep tuma dean rule we'll be back wednesday with our tulsa pregame show